We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. No old man, Andreas Hale, this week. Left the chair empty in his honor, though. He is on his way to D.C. doing a couple of things. So I'll be holding it down solo today. We are combining boxing and MMA on today's show. Knocking them both out at the same time. But old man will be back next week. International Fight Week right here in Las Vegas. Preparing for UFC 290. A card that is going to be really Really good. Yeah, maybe it doesn't have the star power on the top like a couple of years ago. But this year, trust, the fights are going to deliver. We'll have coverage all week on that. We're going to be talking WWE next week. Hopefully, producer Cole Bebe will be in the house recapping WWE Money in the Bank next week early. Of course, tons of boxing this weekend, and we'll get to it in a second. We have Jared Anderson, big baby, fighting in Toledo, his first home headlining fight. The future of the heavyweight division, 23 years old, and just keeps climbing the ranks, going against Charles Martin. A huge step up for him. Charles Martin, a former world champion in the heavyweight division. So that's going to be one hell of a fight. We also have an undisputed fight in the women's 168-pound weight class, which we really got to keep an eye on. Fred Chone. Cruz Desern defending her titles against Savannah Marshall. Yes, Savannah Marshall just lost an undisputed fight to Clarissa Shields. But now she moves up a division, gets an immediate shot at becoming an undisputed champion against Clarissa's best friend in Franchone. So that's going to be great. The narrative there is great, no, regardless of who wins that fight. If Savannah comes out on top, we'll talk about the options there and what that means for her, what that means for women's boxing as a whole, what that means for Clarissa Shields going forward. So a lot of moving pieces. The women keep pushing boxing forward. They only give the biggest matches. They're not wasting time. They're not taking mandatories. They're making sure the best fight the best continuously. Gotta love women's boxing. So all of that we're talking about today. But who would I be? Would I be me if I didn't start off talking about Twitter? If you guys are boxing fans, you know where I'm going with this. If you're not, let me tell you guys a story. So I was on Sean Porter's podcast, shout out to Showtime, about a month ago. And we talked about a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff upcoming in the year. So a lot of the clips, a lot of the content have longevity. And this particular clip that went viral this week is on the back of a clip that went viral 
a couple of weeks ago, me and Andreas talked about it on our last boxing show. Terrence Crawford never having a close fight. Me and him went back and forth. We agreed to disagree. Not many people agreed with me. That's fine. If you guys listen to this podcast, you know, I don't care. It is my opinion. I'm going to say it. I have the microphone. So Dre and I went back and forth on that. We moved on with the rest of the show. Sean posts another clip to his social media for his podcast. Great. It is me talking about Charlo. And people were asking why neither Charlo were on the pound for pound list. And I was like, okay, that's easy for me to explain. I have a vote on the ESPN pound for pound list. I tell Sean Porter this, and I explain why I did not vote for him. And it's a panel of like 22 of us or something. And they, there's a numbering system, a scoring system. And based on how many first place votes, second place votes, so on and so forth, you get, you get a numerical value. They plug that into a system. You see where you guys land one through 10. He didn't make it on the ESPN pound for pound. So I wasn't the only one that felt this way, obviously. But I explained my reasoning. And that is because I think Jermel Charlo struggled in a division that is fairly thin, fairly mediocre, if not weak. It's, and I said this on Twitter, it is one of the worst divisions in boxing. And I'm not saying anyone's a bad fighter. It's just not a good division. Cruiserweight's probably the, the easiest division. It's probably the worst division. But arguably, 154 is right there. So I said that people had their panties in a bunch after this. So I will double down, triple down on what I said. Jermel Charlo does not, in my opinion, deserve to be on the pound for pound list. It's nothing against Jermel Charlo. By all accounts, Charlo bros are cool. People like them, whatever. This is not personal. I am looking at numbers. I am looking at fights. I'm telling you with my two eyes, see me covering this sport for over a decade. Jamel Charlo, in his last, let's go one, two, three, four, five, six fights, is four, one, and one. Cool. You'll say so is Lomachenko has two losses in his last six. Canelo has a loss in his last six, and then he has a draw against Triple G along the way as well. Why isn't Canelo dropped out of the top pound for pound? The reason why Canelo's still on there, for many people, Lomachenko still is. I dropped Lomachenko a year ago, by the way. And if he would have beat Haney, he would have been back on. He didn't. I didn't add him back. There's no consolation prizes. There's no participation awards in my book. Loma's not on mine. I have Shakur, nine. I have Gervonta, 10. And there's people I left off. But with that being said, Charlo, to me, doesn't have wins like Gervonta Davis has. He doesn't. He doesn't have a Ryan Garcia on his resume. He doesn't have a Leo Santa Cruz on his resume. People say it's not the official titles. Okay, cool. He's an undisputed champion. I get that. Who'd you beat? I love Terrence Crawford. He's an undisputed champion. I have him at four. ESPN as a whole, I think we have him at one now. He's going to prove what he is. But even still, you look at his resume, he beat Yuriakis Gamboa when he was still something. He cleaned out 140. Okay, he didn't beat the biggest names at 140. At 147, a division he's too small for. 
He went up and he stopped every single person he's fought. Every single person at 147, he made sure they didn't see the judges. Can Charlo say the same? Charlo's been at 154. He's not hopping divisions. He's not moving up to take challenges like Canelo. Canelo grabbed belts, 154, 160. Cleared out 168 in a year. So one lost Bivol when he goes up another weight class and supposed to drop him out of the top 10? No. Lomachenko's been fighting in a division he's way too small for for a long time. Champion at 126, champion at 130. Almost, one belt away, from being undisputed. He lost to Teofimo Lopez. And then people thought he should be undisputed now. Should he be out of the top 10 or lower than Charlo? I don't think so. Artur Bitterbiev clearing out 100% knockout rate. He's on my pound-for-pound list. Him being a champion. Should he drop? He has three belts. No. Bivol, who wasn't on there, beat Canelo. At the time, the number one pound-for-pound fighter. Should Charlo be above him? No. Let me tell you who Charlo beat. Jamel Charlo just knocked out Brian Castaño. We are... Diehard boxing fans, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to our show, I want every one of you to pick a random family member right now. Pause this episode. Turn to them and say, do you know who Brian Castaño is? Show them a picture of him. Say, have you ever seen him in your life? Understand, it's not a popularity contest. I'm just telling you the caliber of fighter he is fighting. Castaño is a good fighter. He's not a great fighter. Would you have him in your top 30, pound for pound? 40? That might be the best fighter Charlo's beat. Top 40? Probably not. Of all divisions, everyone else in the the top 10, pound for pound, has fought someone in the top 20, top 30, pound for pound. I'm not sure Castaño's in the top 40, 50. Let's keep going. So he knocks out Castaño in his last fight. May 2022, a year ago. Injuries, all this stuff, cool. He has Tim Zhu coming up, who I think the world of Tim Zhu. He just got here. He just made his name in 154. Yeah, he's been winning. I understand this. As a true contender, I give him 16 months. As a true, like, oh, this kid is unstoppable. He's the real deal. Tim Zhu is now here. And if Charlo beats him, we've got a whole different discussion. He hasn't. He hasn't faced him yet. So, with that being said, and I'm not, when I say 154 is bad, I understand Tim Zhu is very good. He's making his way through it. I understand that. When Charlo's been champ and active from 2022 and before, that's what I'm judging his pound for pound on. He didn't have to worry about a Tim Zhu. Tim Zhu wasn't Tim Zhu back then. So, since he was active, this is a division. Knocked out Castaño. Then July 2021, a full year before then, Split decision, or excuse me, split draw versus Brian Castaño. I have eyes. I saw that fight. I don't think Charlo won that fight. So when you ask me to put together a list, an opinionated list, and I saw someone lose, that comes into, that comes into account. I did the same thing when I thought Canelo lost to Triple G. I didn't move Canelo up to number one. I had to see more because I thought he lost that fight. My eyes told me that. I didn't move Devin Haney up after beating Loma. My eyes told me it was a close fight. 
main, I thought Lomachenko won. So I kept Haney where he was. I didn't drop him, but I didn't move him up. A win against Loma is supposed to move you up. It wasn't convincing. I can't do that. Draw against Castaño, a fight I thought he lost and a lot of people thought he lost. Yes, he came back and knocked him out. Cool. I still don't think that highly of, I think Castaño's a good fighter. So you had a loss slash draw to a good fighter two fights ago, which is now two years ago. Going back before then, September 2020, knocks out Jason Rosario. Where do you rank Jason Rosario? Where is he ranked today? Tony Harrison. Knockout victory over Tony Harrison in 11th. Cool. Good knockout. Close fight up until then. You handle business. Knock him out, catch him with a punch. Counterpunching is great for Charlo. Tony Harrison. I thought really well of Tony Harrison. Just got beat up badly by Tim Zhu. Where was Tony Harrison when he fought Tony Harrison on this? Top 30? Top 40? Bound for bound fighter in the world? Maybe? Okay, so understand he's belt collecting. Who is he beating? Before then, he knocks out Jorge Cota, 2019, June 2019. This is four years ago. Where's Jorge Cota? Who is he beating? Before then, loses unanimous decision to Tony Harrison at the Barclays, 2018. So now the man has six fights in the past five years. One is a draw that I thought he lost. The other one was a unanimous decision loss to Tony Harrison, who just got ran through. Before then, majority decision against Austin Trout. Not even a prime Austin Trout. It's a good win on his record. Erickson Lubin, a knockout, first round. Okay. Charles Hatley, knockout. John Jackson, knockout. Joaquin Alcina, knockout. Where are all these people? If 154 is that great, if Charlo's record is that great, where are all these fighters today? Because Canelo beat Triple G. Triple G kept belt collected. He kept beating people. Everyone Charlo has beaten has gone on and kept beating people. Or they retired because Charlo put, or because Canelo, excuse me, put the brakes on them. Where are all these people Charlo beat? They never returned to a top 40, top 30 fighter. They weren't top 30, top 40 fighters before he fought them. He's dominated a division, a weak division. And then when he fought the best, which are good fighters in a weak division, he lost once, redeemed himself. Draw once, redeemed himself against people who were top 30, top 40 fighters in the world. And you want me to put him in the top 10? Teofimo had to be Loma. He beat Richard Comey, starched him. Cool, you got a belt. You weren't pound for pound? He beat Loma. Not like Haney beat Loma. He really beat Loma. Then he went into top 10. Oh, that's a win. That's somebody. Guess what? Loma kept winning after that. Loma came to the point of pushing Haney to the brink after Teofimo beat him. Okay, Teofimo loses. Just like we saw Charlo lose. We dropped Teofimo out of the rankings. Losing to Cambosis. You lost to a guy who's not top 30, top 40. You got to drop out. Now, giving me a big win? That says you deserve to be back in. So he went and fought Josh Taylor. So when I vote again, we haven't voted in a quick second. 
When I vote again, Teofimo is going to be back in my top 10. He went and beat the guy who was undisputed at 140. Understand Teofimo says he retired. I'm still putting him in my rankings. Till it's official on paper. That's how you get into the top 10 after you lose. Canelo lost, ran it back with Triple G. Cool. He was the number one fighter in the world. He lost to a bigger guy. He went from one to five on my list. And he's still at five. Even with the wins after that. Decent wins. Nothing great. Not enough to move up. Charlo, if he had handled business against Harrison, if he had handled business clean against Castano, maybe he'd be 10, 9, because he's an undisputed champion. Even though I, I think less of this division. Yep, I would put him there. Why do I have a guy like Inouye at number two, number three? Oh, because he's undefeated and he dominated not the greatest of divisions. Oh, but Nodito Donaire went, went to war with him, beat him, squeaked out the win, rematched him, stopped him. Amazing fights. Cleared out the division. There wasn't a draw for Inouye. There wasn't a loss on the way for Inouye. He had to prove less while cleaning out a division. That wasn't the toughest division. Because he never stumbled. People act like Charlo didn't stumble. We've seen this. Six fights in five years. And two of those were struggles. One was a loss and the other one was a draw that could have been a loss easily. He came back and handled business. That's cool. I love that in boxing. I love that in fighting. Losses don't end a career. He can be a star. He can go on one hell of a run. I hope he, if he beats Zoo, give up the belts, go to 160, try to clear out 160. That's how you get on the pound for pound. That proves something. But when you stumble and then come back, beat the guy you stumbled against, fight Castaño, stumble, Come back and beat him. You're not getting a participation trophy. We're talking best 10 fighters in the world. I have Tyson Fury on mine as a heavyweight. It's pound for pound. If Tyson Fury was 160 with the exact same skill set, he cleans out the division. If he was 147, exact same skill set, the man is up there with Crawford, Spence. That skills translates anywhere. People like, he's never moved out of heavyweight. Yeah, because he's 6'9", 280. But the skills, they translate. He's in my pound for pound. Alexander Usyk cleaned out a cruiserweight division. Super easy. Bad division. Okay. Maybe. He was close to top 10 pound for pound. He goes up. He beats Anthony Joshua. That's it. You're in the pound for pound. He still had a little more to prove. Even though he was an undisputed champion. He went up and proved it. Where's that for Charlo? What has he proved since he's cleaned out a very mediocre division, stumbled twice. What has he proved? Where's his big fight? Everyone else got a big fight. Please show it to me. Everyone in my Twitter mentions, please, please come for him. Show it to me. And I'll be waiting because what I have in front of me, it doesn't impress me. And he can get there because you like a fighter because you're a fan of the fighter. Doesn't mean they have to be in the top 10, pound for pound, top 15, pound for pound. And by the way, I put him in top 15. So people are mad because I said what I said. Guy's like 13, 14th in the world. Hop, skip, and a jump. He beats Tim Zoo. He could be in the top 10 probably. 
depending on what everyone else does. Lost here, there, you know, Bivol better be a fight. One of them might slide down. A lot of people are fighting. You never know. The guy's right there knocking on the door. I didn't say he was the 30th, 40th best fighter in the world. I didn't say he was whack. They're good. His resume doesn't compare to the other people in the top 10, top 11. It doesn't. So he has to take a fight to prove that. Six fights in five years? What Jay said, six, six fights in five years? I can divide. Right? Go, go, go listen to old Jay-Z. Jay-Z got quotes for everything. Come on. You can't like a fighter and let that blind you from what is on the paper. He's not a bad fighter. He's one of the best fighters in the world. He's not a top 10 fighter right now because the resume does not dictate that. The division is not good enough to dictate that. He doesn't have two wins over Deontay Wilder to make up for the draw. Tyson Fury had the draw. Got dropped several times. Yeah, I don't know. Stopped Deontay Wilder twice after that. One was a runaway fight. The other one was back and forth, arguably the best heavyweight fight I've seen in 20 years. I was ringside for it. It was. Best heavyweight fight I've seen in 20 years. Joshua Ruiz was great. All this, throw that shit out the window. Fury, Wilder, three. Best heavyweight fight I've seen in 20 years. Maybe longer. 25. Fury got that. He's in my top 10. Usyk cleaned out a division and then beat the heavyweight champ twice. He got a spot. Errol Spence, most dominant welterweight we've seen since Floyd. He got a spot. That resume is deep. Bud Crawford won a belt at 135, came through, cleared out 140. People didn't like that run. Cool. Went to 147. Everybody they put in front of him, he stopped. Charlo do that? Because to me, he just stumbled two fights ago. Is he supposed to be ahead of Bud? Teofimo's beat two guys who were lineal ring magazine champions. Two. Kid's 25. You want Charlo to be above him? We keep going. We keep going. There's a long list. Bivol beat Canelo. You want him to be above Bivol, who beat the number one guy pound for pound in the world at the time? You want him to be above Canelo because Canelo lost once? A guy who cleared out 168 pounds in one calendar year. He didn't fight anyone who was a unified champion. Won the belt in January. Won a belt in May. Won a belt in September. Won the next belt after that. What do you want to do? Cleared out a division in a year after moving up in weight. And then dared to be great. You want Charlo to jump him? Is Charlo's loss to Tony Harrison equal to Canelo's against Bivol? You tell me those fighters are equal. So I sat back and laughed all day yesterday. I love being the heel. Boxing people are just getting to know me. It's crazy. I've been here for a decade. Everyone who's listening to this show, y'all know me. Funniest tweet yesterday was like, wow, I can't believe this guy works at ESPN. They must have hired him because he's safe. I sat back, kicked my legs up on the couch in front of my five TVs and chuckled. Like, oh, they don't know me at all. I'm safe? 
a lot of people, a lot of people are just being introduced to Kel Dansby. And this shit's getting fun. Because at the end of the day, and people point this out, 99% of the comment section didn't, didn't agree with me. Three people liked the tweet. Everybody else crushed me. Oh my God, ratio this, ratio that on Twitter. Really? Let's get to the stats. Let's, let's get to the papers. Pull them out. A lot of people don't like what I say. This show is eight years deep because of that. The old man sits here with a crazy look on his face all the time. But I'm telling you, a lot more people, a lot more people are getting introduced to me. And I invite them to listen. Because I think I just made one hell of a case to why Charlo is not on my pound for pound. So let's see what they say. By the way, I'm going back on Sean Porter's podcast this weekend. I'm going to say it again. I'm not backing down from my takes. I've had worse hot takes. If, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while, go play episode one. You want to hear a crazy-ass hot take. I, I've had some hot takes in these eight years. Boy, this, this is what people thought were spicy. This is what got me trending on Twitter. Oh, I love it. Love it. Because it just reminds me that there's such a huge audience that still, still isn't tapped into what we do here. And it's going to be fun. They're all along for the ride. And I love this heel shit. I'm built for it. So this is going to be a nice, fun couple of weeks. Because there's a lot of boxing to talk. Please put the spotlight on me. There's a reason I'm at where I'm at. And it's only going to get better. That takes are only going to get hotter. I don't got my blazer on this week. Back to the t-shirt. You know that. Listen, I'm dressed for the hot takes. No sweating in here. So I can't wait. I can't wait to see what other, what other takes comes out of this. But we have other boxing to talk about, right? So in the meantime, let's get to some real boxing news. <laughs> and we have two really good fights this weekend. One fight, women undisputed championship. Franchon Cruz Desern versus Savannah Marshall. Overseas, undisputed championship, 168 pounds. Clarissa Shields, undisputed champion, 154. Undisputed champion at 160. No one has ever, and I'll, I'll get to these two women who are incredible here in a second and talk about their fight. No one has ever been a three-division undisputed champion, especially in the four-belt era. No one's been two divisions. Outside of Clarissa, you could say Teofimo is. Some people say he wasn't WBC champ. All right, whatever. I never saw Loma lose that belt. WBC gave two to T.O. My math is math, and I'm calling him undisputed. T.O. beat Josh Taylor, who vacated all the belts. No one beat Josh for all purposes. He's undisputed champion. Ring Magazine champion. He was the king of the castle. T.O. made it look easy. T.O.'s probably two-division undisputed champion. But on paper, he is not. There is no arguments to Clarissa's two divisions. Cleaned out, undisputed champion. Now, her second fight ever, she fought. Franchon Cruz Desern. Both young, both great fighters fought. Uh, Clarissa right out of the Olympics, everything. Clarissa outpointed her. Cool. They've both grown since. Greatest of friends now. Franchon makes all of Clarissa's outfits for her fights. Hand sews them. Amazingly talented in the ring and just in life. French Owens is great. When you look at that fight, 
not sure Clarissa is interested, right? Clarissa still got to do MMA. She has a lot of other stuff she can do. The last fight was wildly entertaining. Not sure she's interested in fighting a very close friend, even if it's for history. Now, Savannah Marshall. Easily, Clarissa's number one foe. She is the Joker to Clarissa's Batman. They are made for each other. Savannah believes, tweaks the game plan a little bit. She could beat Clarissa. Believes, probably more weight, more power. That knockout punch is even better. She could stop Clarissa. All she needs are those belts. Clarissa right now is no rush to rematch her. Those belts are something. If Savannah Marshall's able to pull out this fight and win, now she has something Clarissa wants. She has something Clarissa needs. That's legacy. That's what Clarissa's fighting for. Legacy. She's the quote. How far can you push it? Two gold medals. Three undisputed championships. Sounds pretty nice. They'll probably never be caught again in the sport of boxing. Ever. Terrence Crawford is in a position where he could do it. If he beats Spence, rematch, beats Spence, goes up, fights Charlo or Tim Zhu, whoever's undisputed, moves up, fights them. He could be a three-division undisputed champion by the time he hangs up the gloves. He ain't getting two gold medals. No one is touching Clarissa's resume ever. This will put her in a different stratosphere. I'd argue she's a top five boxer all time, male or female, if she accomplishes this. Probably top 10 already. But this is a different stratosphere. This level of dominance is, is a whole different world. It's very enticing. Now, who do I think wins? I'm picking Savannah to win. She just has more stuff going her way. Fights in the UK. It's on Boxer. Fred Schoen has no real attachment to the crowd. The crowd's going to be going crazy for every punch. Fred Schoen has great offense, but she gets hit a lot. And when you exchange and, and it's so close and you guys are both eating punches, and she's going to serve Savannah with a lot of good punches. Trust, they're both going to be wearing it by the end of the fight. I just think the crowd, the home field, home ring advantage, it comes into play. That's hard to overcome. So I think it's going to be a close fight. It's going to be a great fight. It's going to be action-packed. But I think Savannah Marshall just has too much stuff in her, in her corner. She has too much going for her. So I think she wins that fight. And then the other fight, Jared Anderson, Jared Big Baby Anderson, is making his debut in Toledo as a main eventer on ESPN, 23 years old. I mean, the number one, he was the number one heavyweight boxing prospect. He is now moving into being a legit heavyweight boxing contender. Eventually, hopefully, we get Fury Usyk for the belts, a rematch, and then they start vacating because as soon as they do that in a year, two years, Big Baby's grabbing one, two, three of these belts. In the meantime, he can fight a guy, I think, in a year. Dillian White, Andy Ruiz, Luis Ortiz. He's a year away from that. And it starts this weekend. Charles Martin, former champion. Now it's hard to go back. Now the standard set is, all right, I got to beat guys who are former champions, former title contenders. That's where I'm going in my career. And by the way, big baby Jared Anderson, 14 wins, 14 knockouts. 
Kid is stud, 23 years old. Fast-tracking him. Trained with Fury, multiple camps. Fury said, yeah, this guy gave me the best work. All these camps. Future star of the division. I think it starts this weekend. Charles Martin, we've seen him be knocked out before. We've seen him get hit. I mean, I don't, I'd have to place the over-under three rounds. I think I'm taking the under. I don't think Charles Martin gets out of the second. Jaron Anderson, second round knockout, highlight. This kid is the real deal. And I think this is the weekend the boxing public wakes up and says we have the next great American star in the heavyweight division. Took a while to catch on to Deontay Wilder when he was knocking everyone senseless. But he caught on fire. Still fire. Talking about him fighting Andy Ruiz. I'm not sure if Ruiz takes that. Talk about him fighting Joshua in Saudi either in December or January. That fight does stupid numbers if it happens. Never lost his star power. Hard fought fights against Fury. Hard fought. Came out the other end just as popular, if not more so. Just as scary, by the way. That right-hand punch touches you. You're hitting the canvas. You got to be 6'9 to get up. Not everybody's getting up. So I, I think we see the rise of the next great heavyweight American star this weekend as well. And then outside of that, the only other thing we really had was last weekend, Edgar Berlanga fighting MSG. Gets Quigley. Listen, Berlanga dropped him several times. The power was there. The technique still isn't where it has to be to get him ready for the tops of that division. It's not. He wants a fight against Jaime Munguia, who struggled the week before, pulled out a tough win. He got a knockdown to really seal that win. It was going a bad direction before then. And I think the exact quote was, Oscar, give me that punching bag. And him, old man's been calling for a while. Loser leaves town match. Which one of these prospects has enough to keep going at least to the next level? If this shit is Mortal Kombat, this is where you go to the different levels. Yeah, he's... Berlanga just moved up. Him and Jaime Munguia, it's, it's time for them to go. But only one could move up to face Shang Tsung on the next level. Right? Canelo's left matchroom. Eddie Hearn publicly said, oh, I didn't really have anything for him here. Three-fight deal with PBC. Now you got to build something. Because after the three fights, say Canelo's successful. You better have something for him to come back to. Let these two fight. De La Hoya, Eddie Hearn's been going at it publicly. These two might fight. The way they've been talking about on Twitter, bury that shit for a second. Do Munguia, there's Do Berlanga. New York, Mexico versus Puerto Rico, big room at MSG. Put a nice little card under that. You can sell. You let them do that. Bring the rivalry back. See who's the star after the bell rings to end that fight. It's the only thing that makes sense because no one wants to see Berlanga fight I don't know, Shane Mosley Jr., who was on this Berlanga card and picked up a win. He has a nice little streak. Because if you don't get Mugina, that's the next fight. And it's like, what are you giving Berlanga? Not what you promised him probably to sign him. So you, you got to deliver something. And Berlanga needs to have a dominating knockout. He needs to catch fire again. Being friends with Fat Joe is only going to last for so long. Lil Wayne's going to stop showing up to the fights. That jewelry is only going to carry you so long. Everybody got jewelry now. I fucked around and bought jewelry. What that mean? 
You need something else. You need wins. You need the knockouts again. You need the flash, the flair. He's very far removed, and boxing has a very short memory span. He needs to get back on track if he's going to be the star. He thinks he is. His own thinks he is after he left top rank. The star he, everyone thought he was three years ago when he was prospected a year. After all first-round knockouts, six seventeen to start his career. He needs to get back to that guy, and they need to do it fast. Him versus Munguia should be the fight. Real quick, though, we're going to hit a break. We're going to come back. We're talking MMA. Boy, Nick's coming out of the booth. Joining me, you guys know Nick, always friend of the pod, joining me to talk MMA. We're going over, touching on some stuff from last week's card, talking about this weekend's card as well. Talk a little bit about UFC 290, how we're feeling a week out from that. And then, since Nick is here with me, we'll just get his opinions on some 291, 292 while he's in the chair as well. So, MMA fans, next segment's for you. You guys don't go anywhere. To the haters on Twitter, wow, I love you guys. Keep it up. You'll be seeing a lot more of me. Be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, everybody, we are back as promised. I am here. Nick Days, veterans minimum. Make sure you guys check out the pod. If I ever have to gamble, like I just go Nick. And I just like, yo, Nick, who should I put money down on? Not just combat sports, but like all sports. Nick's constantly hitting on stuff. Make sure you guys check him out on Twitter. Uh, what's the exact handle on Twitter? At Nick Days 10, 10 on Twitter. All right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. Make sure you guys check him out. Always dropping gems there to make sure you guys win. And uh, he won't brag, so a little humble brag for him. He's everywhere in Vegas now. Let's it's, go. You're not even here a year, right? Like nah, last man, August? September. September will be a year that I've... Uh, everywhere. Yeah. in here. Your show just man. dropping knowledge everywhere. Trying, so, yeah. no, it's great. We're about to hit football season. So, uh, it's the only sport I bet on continuously is NFL. A lot of people, bro. A lot of people, they, they just... 
And it's my shittiest one. Cause like, I know a lot more about combat. Yeah. Like I watch a lot more baseball. I don't bet on either of those. I only bet on NFL yeah. and it's a complete crapshoot. Well, bro, what's crazy is a lot of people only talk NFL betting. A lot of people will only bet on the NFL, but it's the hardest one to win at. It's the most popular. So obviously like it's very rare, bro, that you're going to see something just seem off, right? Like we talk about this all the time when we're talking about the fight odds. We'll, we'll, you'll come in before your show and we'll be just be shooting the shit, whatever it might be. I was just say to you, man, just, just off principle, I got to bet this guy, right? Yeah. Like I, I got to bet Gaethje as a two to one dog when he fought for Ziv. Yep. It's like, you know, he's, he's everything I like in a fighter when he's a dog, right? He's going to fight for your money. He's not going to go out like a sucker. He's really going to, you know, the whole puncher's chance, guys like that. And in the NFL, you rarely see that. You rarely see like a team that should be a seven point favorite, be a three point favorite. Like you don't see that. It's very sharp. Yeah. Like they're not going to sleep on the Cowboys against the Redskins. Right. Like you're not going to just get a Yeah, steal. you're not getting no hand Or you're not betting it. the Redskins against the Eagles. Yeah. You're be like, yo, I yeah, really yeah. like the Redskins because they fight every week. Like, no, they're not, they're not going to beat the Eagles. They're not going to like cover right. that spread. Yeah, so the fight game allows us so much more wiggle room to bet. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I guess I like losing money. Well, dude, my favorite thing about UFC betting is the way I view it in my head is it's basically like me betting football in the sense of it's once a week. Yeah. Right. So I have, I have six days. Sometimes I have a full week, especially with like, you know, the following week, not to jump ahead. It's fight week. Yeah. So we've known about these fights for a minute now. So in my head, I'm like, all right, man, Whitaker, if Whitaker is not minus 400 in this one, might be a max bet, right? Yeah. Like things like that. And it allows me to consume all that information and then I can make my decision a week later. Whereas all the other sports, dude, is is so volatile, especially in the NBA, where, you know, I mean, I would always say, come from the East Coast, it'd be like seven oh eight, yep. right? The game starts at seven. Seven oh eight is when first tip happens. Seven eleven, and then they're like, ah, you know what, man? And Bede's gonna sit out tonight because <laughs> because uh, uh, load, load management. management. You're like, oh man, I just took <laughs> I just took the Sixers minus eight. Yeah, like there goes that bet or. Yeah, I took his. I took Tobias Harris under rebounds because when Embiid plays, he goes. He, you know, he tends to go under things like that. Little trends like that. But but with MMA betting, bro, or even boxing, it's the best. It's once a week. You have enough time. You're not going to need to worry about no no injury report coming out, yep. right? You know everything going into it. So as long as Nate Diaz is not fine, yeah, and and oh, Hamzat yeah, decides yeah, yeah. to make weight. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's the thing, that card right? like, the was weight. was fucking crazy. The weight. The weight is always yeah. like crazy. And I, I just heard you talk about that on your show, actually. When yeah. shit went crazy, you had to have your mom bet oh, bro. <laughs> for you like during that fight card because shit just went to hell. Dude, betting, ca- betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Worst place to bet in the world, <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada. Go, go riddle me that, right? Figure that out. So I would, to, to this day, man, I, I call my parents sometimes because there are certain bets that you can make that you just can't make here. Because they'll just take them off the board here. They'll either take them off the board here or they won't like, for example, right? One of my favorite things to bet on is via finish. Not many sports books in Vegas offer that one. They'll offer you by knockout or by submission. Yeah. And then what always happens, Kel, is I bet them to win by knockout. They win by <laughs> submission. And then you're like, damn, you're the dude, king of but, betting subs. But too. my, yeah. but my, my main bet was to bet them by finish. And, those markets are just not out here like that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy how sports betting has expanded, you know, yep. to the, just these other places where it's just like, yeah, like, I mean, there's a reason Jersey has surpassed every other state in terms of sports betting. now. I think Phoenix is creep or Arizona as a state is creeping up on Nevada in terms of sports betting. Nevada is like fourth now. Well, dude, I just found out that you can get to the Arizona border quick by like, you know, less than 40 minutes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll be making that ride <laughs> over. Just gonna, I'll hit Boulder that, City and just cross right, right over. Right over, right over, baby. Go right in the there. lookout, just place your bets, yeah. hit the U-turn. Dude, I used to do that before it got legal in New York. My friends and I used to do that every Saturday morning. One of my buddies, his name is Nick also, but we just call him Boss. Boss would pick us up. He had the, he had the minivan. We'd go right to Vince Lombardi Way. Like yep. that rest stop, turn the phone on, location settings, bam, we put in our bets, make a U-turn, go back. <laughs> we did that every Saturday. And one week, I'd pay the toll. Next week, you'd pay the toll. It was just like that, man. And then eventually, it just got to a point where like New York City, you were just able to bet it. But there are a lot of sports books out there that are just not available here, like the most popular ones that you always see advertisement for, like the DraftKings and fans. Yeah, I feel world. like the app-based ones are so much bigger. Oh, yeah. On the East Coast then. And I, I get like MGM is getting their app going and Jamie Foxx on every billboard yeah. here in the city. Um, Stations Casino was like the first one out here with app betting. But it's just not the same. It's not. It's not. Also, just from a popular standpoint, like FanDuel and DraftKings are, dude, like NFL teams are sponsored by them now too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like arenas are named like the FanDuel Arena or yeah. the DraftKings Arena, wherever it might be. and. It's just a convenience thing, dude. Like in New York, you don't even have to go to a casino physically to, to get the app. You and I could be watching UFC this weekend if we were back in, in New York City. And you could be like, yo, bro, I want to put in a bet. I'd be like, yo, go to, go to so-and-so and download that. Bam, you put in your information. You put all the info that they ask you for. And then you're good. Here, you got to physically go be to the, in casino. the casino. Yeah, show my ID. do like a background check, their ID. You got to deposit at the casino in some places. and. Eventually, it's like, man, this is like so out the way. I got to yeah. drive now 20 minutes back into the strip after working on the strip. Yep. Now I got to go back in there to make my deposit. It's like, ah, it's a convenience thing, bro. That's yeah. No, definitely. And let's talk about the fights from last weekend. Because I feel like, <sighs> all right, we'll save the main event for a second. Brendan Allen versus Bruno Silva is a fight I looked at last week. And I was like, I feel like Brendan Allen's figured it out. He is the sub round one. Did you have him as a submission guy here? You you were always on all the submissions on all these cards. Brandon Allen by sub is what I like to call a system play. It's an automatic play every time, man. <laughs> Especially dude when he fights when he fights a striker. I'm a big Brandon Allen fan. I don't know what his ceiling could be. I know he's still young. He's only 27. Yeah. Still young. But I don't know what the ceiling on him could be. Like the other guy that was in the main event, we'll get to him in a little bit. I don't know what it is with Allen. However, when he has a massive grappling advantage over someone, he takes advantage of it. He's a high IQ fighter, in my opinion, who knows that, oh, dude, on the ground, I have you covered everywhere. Yeah. And there's div different levels to black belts, too, because Bruno Silva is a black belt also. But, I mean, you would never think of him as like a jujitsu guy at all. But what's interesting is... Kel Allen actually dropped him. Yeah. With the hands. Yep. And then he took him to the ground, got on top and, and choked him out. But 
Yeah, dude, there, there's some there's some fighters legit that I'll always bet them by submission. I'll always bet them by knockout, right? Like Francis, you always bet him by knockout. Yeah, why take him any other why way? Why take him any other way? Like I, one of the first videos that I kind of had go viral, I do air quotes because everyone has a different number in their head when it comes to viral, but it was before he fought, before he fought uh, Jarzinho. I remember Francis being like minus 150 favorite, but his knockout prop was like plus 160. And I was like, that is, you see, that is. The only is, way he beats Rosenstruck is by knockout. Is by knockout, right? And also, that's an example of the buzzword everyone likes to throw around, value. Yeah. That's a good number. That's some value there, especially when all his wins are by knockout. That's a mispricing there. So, yeah, there's just certain guys. And Brandon Allen is one of them. Yeah, looking at Brendan Allen, like, in this fight, after watching him fight here, I'm not saying his career is going to go to this length and extent. But like you mentioned, him using the hands now as a threat to knock people down. to Because now everyone's just scared to death to go on the ground. It reminds me, not saying his career is going to play out like this, of when Charles Oliveira started to figure it out. Ooh, I like that. Because people knew, if I got on the ground, it's over. Yeah. To the point, let his ass get up. If I knock him down, I'm letting him get up because I'm not going there. But the threat of that was so scary that Charles Oliveira woke up one day and was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to throw hands. Because if I get knocked down, I'm always going to have time to recover. They're scared to death. If they get knocked down because they're worried about like me tripping them or them just slipping, like their defense is already lowered. Yep. I have now an advantage because maybe my hands aren't as great as theirs, but I got to worry less than they got to worry. And you figure this out and you learned um, Jacare was like that at one point where I was like, yo, if you get to the ground with fucking Jacare, like it was a rat. And then he just started throwing hands and then he was just fucking running through people for a quick second. You're like, yo, Jacare, old man Jacare got like a lot better. It's like, no, people were just scared to death to go to the ground with him. Aljamain Sterling is another great case of that Yep, where his hands aren't great. Uh, I call him Elaine from Seinfeld. It's a bunch of little kicks. And, but he can land those kicks and people don't really attack him because if for some reason you throw a haymaker and you're off balance and this motherfucker trips you, you can end up in a pretzel yeah. and the fight's over. So it, it's the, Brandon Allen has some of those same qualities where it's like, it just scares people to death to getting on the ground. So now he's like, fuck it. If I let my hands go, they clip me. I sit on my ground. I pull guard for a second. Recover, recover, yeah. get the hell back up. If I knock them down, it's over. Yeah. So I feel like Charles Rivera has mastered that, where he's just like, yo, yeah, we're just going to go to the ground. And, you know, Islam's just a freak of nature. Right. Which I'm glad you brought up Islam because that's when, because every guy that Charles was fighting were. You know, you're, you're stand-up guys, yeah. right? Like, no one really wanted to go down Which is there. weird, because I thought Justin Gaethje could, but Justin Gaethje still didn't want to. Yeah, well, Justin Gaethje's a wrestler, but never wrestled, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> his background is wrestling. And when when I would watch when I would watch Gaethje fight, and I'll watch it with some of my buddies that are, like, super casuals. And yeah. they'll be like, yo, what's his thing? You know, is he a black belt? Is he whatever? I'm like, yo, Gaethje <laughs> actually came into the game as a wrestler. They're like, uh, like a national like, championship uh, level yeah. wrestler. Yeah, and they're like, Justin Gaethje? I was like, yeah, you know, he's he's to the casual, like everyone knows about Justin Gaethje. But to to have them, Kel, hear that he's a wrestler, <laughs> you would never guess that, right? But with Brandon Allen, man, I love that comp, dude. I love that comp a lot because 
guys don't want to go down there with them. And it's going to be fascinating to see when a guy does choose to go down there when they're just as good as Allen on the ground. And maybe they go, all right, bro, I dropped you. Now Now I'm coming down there. I'm not afraid to. That's what Islam did. That's what Islam like, did with Charles. Charles. He was yeah. just like, yo, I'm just going inside your garden and we're going to see yeah. what the hell happens. And then he ends up subbing Charles. Not many other people have those skills. No. So yeah. when you do that, it's like, yeah, he's testing the waters. But, but you could get away with that, dude, until you, until you run into those guys that are that good at that particular yep. art and martial arts. Um, David Onama, Gabriel Santos, knockout by Onama. This could have went either way. It just shows me that the featherweight division, it, it's weird because I always say, like, now it, it's not a seeker, right? Like, the UFC's trying to, like, cut costs, kind of. Yeah. So they put on, like, they're cutting more of the veterans. We know less of the people on the cards. But there's people with good records. So it's like 11 and 2 versus 10 and 1. And it's like, okay, like, but it's becoming harder to discern, like, who is really good. There's no strike force, right? There's no WEC. Yeah. You don't have these backgrounds on these guys. They're coming in with pretty good records, but you're looking, you're like, fuck, this is a true toss up fight. Um, I was on the wrong end of this one. I was on Santos because Santos fought LaRon Murphy to a split decision and it was in London. Yeah. And you know, a hometown bias. It's always don't go to the cards if you're Talks fighting about that a, in boxing this yeah, weekend. Yeah. yeah, don't go to the cards if you're fighting a Brazilian in Brazil or a a British dude or in, a woman in, London, yep. in in London, right? At all. And you know, I'm looking at that. I was like, oh, you know, Onama is. We kind of know the kind of fighter that Onama Onama is, and he just was. I thought undervalued Santos. Yeah, and then I thought Onama had one way to win. Yeah. This motherfucker won by that one way. Yep, yep. And that (laughs) that happens. Yeah, so, I mean, you you look at that fight, then we have a no contest, uh, Justin Taffa versus Austin Lane. It's like, I like Justin Taffa because it's always going to be, I love anyone from New Zealand. Yeah. Or Australia. And give me any Tongan, any, like, I know what the fight is about to be. The Samoan culture. Samoan, yeah. Just give me all all that shit. We're going bang. So I hope they run this back. It's a little tougher with with cuts. Then we have Macy Barba and Amanda Rebus. Dude. I was so wrong here. Same. Um, Same. Not that I picked Amanda Rebus, but I, I think I said, yo, Macy Barber. I don't think I gave my prediction because I was like, Macy Barber's at that point where she's won several in a row. She's young. This is where people like figure it out. Mm. This is her test. And she passed this with flying colors. The video... Like the slow mo replay of her just bloody yelling when she wins, just spitting blood everywhere. It's gonna be on our highlight package forever. It's like Robbie Lauder when he cut the lip. Like it's so good, and, and Macy, especially if she projects the way you know the future. This is who she's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah this is who they thought they were getting. And there was a couple of hiccups along the way, but I say this MMA is not built for twenty year olds. It's not. There's. That's why everyone Jones, else is a freak of nature. Yeah, that's why John Jones, it's so wild. Max Holloway is a freak of nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, There's exceptions, but yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, like it, it's not built for that. Yeah. What Robbie Lawler was like the phenom or like or the natural, like when he showed up at 19. Yeah. A motherfucker lost four fights, some got cut, had to come back, came back, and he was who he was supposed to be. But it took time. It does, man. Not many people can hit that streak early. And, and stay there and, and get to where the potential is supposed to be. And look at Charles Overa. Made his debut at 19. The ups and downs were crazy. Figured it out. 
Manu Nunez w- went through several ups and downs. Oh, yeah. The scale was her biggest. And like no cardio gas tank. She moved to America, moved to Florida, took this shit seriously. Greatest women's fighter of all time. So like you hit your peak a little later in MMA. And I feel like Macy Barber now with this win, she's figuring it out. Yeah, that was impressive, man. That was a mauling. But yeah. that that's the Macy, that's the Macy that we've been thinking we're gonna get. Because, you know, in the women's division, sometimes, dude, it's it's rare that you see the girls actually hunt finishes. Yep. A lot of them like to get up on points, stay ahead, cruise to decisions. But Barbara is one of them. That division went from being the most bland division, dude, to now there's some killers there. You well, got, I, I think naturally but everyone's think, body is developed, right? Like, because flyweight yeah. was always the division. Yeah. And it was stacked. And then it was like Valentina and right. so that, that's, everyone else. Yeah, you beat me to it because I think what happens is like, you know, I felt the same way about 170 in the men's division. I felt the same way. I mean, I feel the same way about 145. Where I'm like, no one can beat the champion. Then Usman gets clipped. And now you're looking at 170. You're like, damn, bro, there's some there's some people that could get the strap, you know? Because like, I don't believe in Edwards that much. Exactly. So you're <laughs> like, man, maybe it's Shavkat. Maybe Usman could get it back if he wins one. Maybe it's maybe it's Chamayev if he can make weight. He's, yeah, he's yeah. not gonna. But like, maybe it's Covington, you know? So there's there's all these matchups there. And then when you're looking at the 125 division for the women, it's like you got Blanchfield. You got Valentina's going back to get a, a title shot. Yep. They announced that fight against uh, Alexa Grasso on Mexican Independence yep. Day. And then you got Tyler Santos is still in the mix. Yeah. Right? Now you got Faroe is fighting Rose at 125. Now Rose, Rose is going to be the in the mix. And Faroe's the truth. Yeah. She's, uh, there's but a Aaron's reason why. The truth. Like, yeah. It, yeah. So now you're looking at it, bro. Like when you have that, undefeated fighter that seems so untouchable and then they get clipped or they get got like, look, let's not forget. They flashed the odds. It was minus six, 1600. Yeah. Going into round four for Valentina. Valentina was dominating that fight. The reason why she's opening as the favorite for this rematch too. But dude, we saw Nunez get clipped. Yeah. Yeah. And Barbara choked out like, and, and Barbara man comes out just like the longer, I want to see her in a five rounder. Cause she's she's someone Her that face may not survive it. Cause I will tell you this: the she puts offense the pressure is phenomenal. On yeah, yeah, yeah. The defense is questionable. So yeah, if you tell me she's gonna be in a five round, you're being polite with the against like who? Yeah, Blanchfield. Yeah, because well, she she'll, that's going to be tough. She's uh she's the the stereotype fighter that lets you get three for her to get two. It's right? like watching like, Chuck Liddell. Yeah, she's going like, to eat a ton in order to get hers in, too. It's it's crazy. Like, but, yo, you know what, man? It, it does look, the optics look bad. But she's she's a tough girl, dude. I mean, she like, gives three for every one. Right, right, right. She just wears and, and, that one every time. And, you know, like one of her losses was Roxanne Modafferi, yeah. who she blew out her knee in that fight. So, to me, that's like a little bit of an asterisk. Like, yeah, yeah she looks flat. She looked bad in that like fight. Like when O'Malley but, tore his. Yeah, you know, like I give you a pass for that. Things happen, and it's not always going to go in your favor. But, yeah, Macy is. And what she did to Hibas was, that was nuts. O'Malley does not count the Cheeto Vero loss. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> He's yeah. just like, no, nah, I blew out my Achilles. It doesn't count. Um, real quick before we go to the main event, what are your thoughts on 145? Is it a dead division? Is it a wrap? 
now that Amanda yeah. laid down everything. Because again, 125 looked like it was one person and one person only. Well, at least Does 145 have a chance. Nah, because I, I, I think that's a bad example because at least 125 had like a roster of girls. Okay, they had rankings. Yeah. But really, it was just people like at 135 that was like, yo, I'm too small. And then it was a bunch of people 415. I was like, fuck it out. I don't, I don't have to cut weight. Yeah. Like, they didn't have a roster. They, they did one, the ultimate fighter. And then people were just tired of cutting weight. I feel like you can kind of do that 135. Like you can take people from whatever's left of Invicta people who are leaving PFL because clearly PFL runs tournaments at 145 constantly. Right. Bellator, whatever Bellator is at this point. Like you can fill out a 145 roster in one ultimate fighter season. We saw when DJ left 125, it was like, that's a good point. Like, yo, we have four fighters here. That's a good point. And then an ultimate fighter. And then now what the top 10 is like six people from that ultimate fighter house. Yeah. Including the champion. Who damn near lost like I think twice on that ultimate fighter yeah, and kept yeah, coming yeah. back. So it was like it's one of those things. They did one ultimate fighter cast and thought the division was done. Oh, Suhudo and what? And then it was like Suhudo moved up and they're like, oh fuck, well, we might have to fold this. But that ult- one ultimate fighter season has carried that division and everyone else is kind of filled in. Nah, that's a good ass point, dude. Because immediately in my head, when I was thinking about 125. And then were you asking about 145? At like 145, the only other person I could think of is Felicia Spencer. That yeah. was at 145. And then Megan Anderson, who got released. Megan, yep. That's it. So that's why I like the 145 division. I, I, I think they're, they're clipping that. Like, it's a wrap for that one. And then... I feel like if you look in the future and the, the next wave of talent... I think is 145, 155 pounds. So I think if you give up on that, it's really tough. Because well, if you look at collegiate wrestling, like yeah. for, um, oh, fuck. It's the heavyweight dude's name. His daughter's like insanely good at collegiate wrestling. Um, I don't know why I'm spacing on his name. It's at Brock Lesnar. Oh, Frank Mayer. Frank Mayer. Yeah, yeah. His daughter is 155. So uh, I understand she signed the NIL with WWE. But fuck it. Who cares? That's just an NIL. Yeah. If she decides to do MMA, she probably cuts to 145. Like you, you look at like the next generation of athletes, the Clarissa Shields, those like hyper athletic women aren't 115 pounds anymore. Yeah. They're 155, 145, sometimes 165. Well, I think it's going to take a special, special talent to headline it, right? Like how, Rousey made that division pop in because she was such a megastar. So, like, let's just stay with Frank Mir's daughter as an example. Say, you know, she headlines WrestleMania or some shit or wins the yeah. Rumble or, like, she's doing her thing on WWE. And then she's like, yo, you know what? Deep down, I really want to fight MMA. So Brock Lesnar shit. Yeah. Like, yo, I do three years here, but. Yeah. And then, and then she comes into the UFC and she fights at 155. Now you're looking at it like, yo, you have some stardom here. Maybe all of a sudden they start looking for other 155ers around the world. Because I think that you need to have that marquee person. That's why the women's MMA took off because of like Rousey. Like Rousey comes in and she was ahead of her time too. Like I don't think her career has aged the best as far as if she was coming in now, I don't think she's what she is. 
No, but I mean, for the time, for yeah, the time was being, she was, right? yeah. Right. And I think she's on the Mount Rushmore of, yeah, of she MMA. Was, she was like a specialist of yeah. specialists. Yeah. And, and for what she did for, she was just a poor loser. Yeah. But like what she did for women's MMA, women's sports, uh, women's empowerment. Like Her and Cyborg not fighting is criminal. Right. They didn't give us that when, when we wanted it. Would have done numbers. Yeah, at the time. That's why, like, that's why the UFC is weird, bro, because they give us the fights we want, but then sometimes they don't give us the fights we want. Yeah, like, Crow Cop, like, came in too late. And then you had, like, forever, you had, like, Brock Lesnar super fights that should have happened. Yeah. That really didn't happen. Right? So, like, you look at that and you're just like, yo, fuck, like, I, we could have seen really great fights. Like, John Jones, Anderson, Silver probably should have. Like, Anderson was a division away. Yeah. He was one win away, to be honest. Yeah. GSP? GSP Anderson? Should have happened. Right? That's one division away. Yep. And then, granted, that's 15 pounds. Right, right, right. But GSP ends up moving up there anyway. So it's like... Ah, G- look, GSP's my favorite fighter of all time. He's the reason why I'm a big UFC fan. But I do think... He moved up to 185 because he saw. Oh, it was food. Was yeah, there. it was food. I don't think he's doing that yeah. if it's Izzy. But Fedor Brock would have done numbers. Yeah. Granted, you can't say that you didn't, no one saw Brock catching diverticulitis. Yeah. So it's not like you could be like, well, you missed opportunity. Like, no, like that's, that's something you couldn't predict. But I feel like with the women's divisions, like, yeah, we, we have three solid divisions. I feel like 145 is like one ultimate fighter cast away. We see in PFL. Well, dude, we're, we're we're wrestling fans, right? Yeah. Like, what what does wrestling do to get us to get behind the character? They build a story. Yep. Do an Ultimate Fighter at one forty five, one fifty five. Give us give us a background on these fighters. Let's get invested in the not the gimmick, but let's get invest, invested in the fighter. Yep. And then maybe from there, you never know. Like someone might blossom and they become the next big star, or at least someone like I said before that could headline or showcase your division. Yeah, I feel like. The ultimate fighter would just need a really good coach. Like, you don't need star power in the division. Yeah. You're building a division. You need a really good coach to, like, piggyback on, right? Like, if for some wild-ass reason, like, yo, Ronda, take one more fight. And you do, like, Ronda versus Misha take Mm. again. Like, yo, Ronda, you can win this shit. We're going to pay you a ton of money. But you and Misha, again, be coaches. But we're trying to build 145. You just give them a bunch of girls at 145. Like, that's pretty fucking good. PFL has a really good 145 division. Like, really good. Yeah. I was looking at that the other day. Like, they're going through their tournament. Um, see, PFL, 145 women. Their women's champion is, like, super good. Uh, I'm trying to find it right now. Oh, obviously, they have Kayla Harrison as well. So, like, Kayla Harrison being there, it's like, you can build some shit around Kayla Harrison. Yeah. And isn't Aspen Ladd at 145? Yes. I mean, that's mostly because she's kind of just got tired of making weight. Yeah. But again, there has to be several people who are just like, yo, I am probably 34, 35 now. I don't want to make 125. I don't want to make 135. 135, yeah. Uh, Larissa Pacheco, who's the champion. champion, yeah. And just knocking everyone else out and then beat the shit out of Kayla Harris. Yeah. So, like, they Dude, found... she destroyed Kayla, and she was, like, plus 800. Yo, real. And, like, with the hands, it wasn't a close fight. 
So you look at that and it's like, yo, she destroyed Kayla. This season, she's beat Julia Budd and then just knocked out the next round, Amber Libra. And on the way to Kayla, she had one, two, three, four, five straight knockouts since her unanimous decision lost to Kayla. So Kayla didn't stop her. She got a unanimous decision loss and then did five TKOs in a row and then beat the shit out of Kayla. So like, if you just create it, if you make it, they will come. So it's one of those things. It's like, yo, I just want to see the 45 division. Because PFL was just like, yo, we have Kayla. We ain't got shit else. And then they ended up well, What did they do, though? They made 145 compelling because they had Kayla. Yeah. So that's what I'm it's saying. Like, like if the UFC has that one person. Still Kayla. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's on Well, that's another one that, that we wanted years ago. Right before, like before the Pena fight, we wanted Nunez and Kayla. Like, yeah. let's make the super fight. But I'm pretty sure they're at the same camp, though, too. So I don't think it would have worked out. Yeah, it would have been weird. Yeah. Um, I think Kayla Cyborg. Yeah. It's still probably a fight on the table. But it's like, how long is Cyborg going to fight? It kind of got to pull the trick. But also, it's when, when you lose, the aura of it, like, goes. Like, I always wanted to see Valentina and Nunez three because I'm in the camp that I think Valentina won that second fight. I thought she won the first. The one yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, both fights are right, awesome. right. So, and then you know they both lose, and now you're like, mm, okay, right. That's why I strike when the iron's hot. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's some people losses don't even fucking matter. My, no. my my thing is like Manny Pacquiao. It's like people completely forgot when he fought Floyd, he had gotten knocked out by Marquez already. Yeah, two years before he had lost to Tim Bradley already. I don't give a fuck. Nah, man. Look, I I'm not the biggest I'm not the biggest boxing fan in the world. Um, I do obviously respect the sport and I do like when like Tank and Tank and Ryan, yeah. I tuned in. That got that got me invested in it. I was listening to your show all the time and like the lead up to it was dope, right? Like you have two superstars going at it. The UFC, because it is, you know, under one promotion, they kind of give us like those fights. But boxing, bro, like I think I heard David Devin Haney talk about this, how Floyd Mayweather was like a gift and a curse to boxing. Yeah, because, 100%. You know, all, all of time. a sudden, if you're 35 and 0 and you lose, it's like, oh, this guy ain't shit. Fuck him. Yeah. Like, wait, why, dude? Are you still? Like, the best bro, fighters ever have lost. At, yeah, MMA, some of the biggest draws in the company right now have multiple losses. Like yep. Izzy, multiple losses. Volk has some losses. Max has a bunch of losses. Like, Con- I mean, I'm not going to use Connor because he's an exception, but like, Man, it don't. You but know, still, it doesn't hurt him. Nate, Nate Diaz was getting the biggest pop in arenas, and he had what eighteen Masvidal losses. Masvidal was a fucking journeyman. Yeah, yeah so it's, it doesn't matter. It don't, it don't matter at all. It don't matter. Wins and losses don't matter in combat sports. Nah, like nah, Muhammad man. Ali is the greatest of all time in many people's eyes. And his also, biggest fights don't happen if he doesn't lose right, first. Right. And also, bro, like, what if you're losing to other champions? You're all right. All good, right? Like Dustin Poirier, what are his losses? You look at it and it's like, oh shit, he's only, uh, sorry, not Dustin, uh, Max Holloway. Yeah. All his losses are to. Dustin's losses are pretty fucking good too. Yeah. They came early, like you're learning shit. Max's but, losses end Matt, up being Dustin early, Dustin again, Connor. And Volk. Volk like, so it's like, all right, dude, yeah, you're not cool. losing, you know, the wrestling term, you're not losing to jobbers. You're no. losing to guys that are main event in WrestleMania. 100%. So to me, that's why like all losses are not made equal. No. And and some people just got your number on one night. And bro, also like Volkanovsky, he's headlining IFW. He's coming off a loss. Doesn't matter. He left that fight against Islam better than Islam did. Because now everyone's like, 
yeah, you know what, bro? Islam, he's vulnerable. Take him into deep waters. He he, he might not be shit, you know, because he looked awful in round four and five, yeah. especially round five. Like, but dude, you had another, was just a zombie. In yeah, you add another minute to that fight, bro. Oh, it's and new. It's oh. double champ season. So it's one of those where it's like, yeah, like Vol- when you dare to be great, that was my case like earlier in the pod, like talking about Canelo. It's like, yo, he lost. He lost to Dimitri Bivol at 175. Like Canelo naturally is probably 160. The money was at 168 because he's like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, and he went up to 175 yeah. to face a guy who's 6'1". It's not even like he's a small 175er. Like he's a big 175er. So it's like one of those things is like when you dare to be great, what is that loss? Like what does it matter? Like Canelo's two losses, Floyd Mayweather when he was young, dared to be great and then jumped up three divisions like from where he was at 154 through there, like 175. Like that shit's crazy. Imagine someone going from, I mean, Bivol's a big fucking dude. So say someone was 155 pound champion in UFC and then ends up fighting Izzy. Like, that shit's not easy. Dude, dare to be great. I think that was Izzy after he lost to Jan Blachowicz. Yeah. Think, of, think about him, right? Dude was undefeated in MMA and then jumped up 20 pounds, didn't put on any weight, and he's fighting Jan and puts not only his reputation on the line, Fights a bigger opponent, goes for the other belt, but also like undefeated, bro. Like how yeah. many people? I don't think many people would do that. They're no. undefeated. Why Volk, risk the also Volk was on a twenty something. Yeah. Why risk the zero? Yeah. Like, because but it dare doesn't to, matter. Dare to be great. It, and it, you're remembered for that. People appreciate losses that. Losses don't hurt you. They don't. they don't. It's the same thing. Like Ryan Garcia. People like try to shit on Ryan Garcia because he lost the tank. I was like, yo, no one beating these young kids. Like the new five princes. Like we had the four kings. Like the new five princes. No one's beating them except them. Yeah. So Ryan lost the tank, got stopped with a body shot. There was a rehydration clause, all that shit, whatever. He moved up to 140. Please think that it's sweet. Anyone at 140, think, think that this kid is sweet because you're going to catch that left hand and realize you are not Tank Davis and he's going to put you to sleep Yeah. because the only people Ryan Garcia is going to lose to is Devin Haney, possibly, Tiafino Lopez, Shakur Stevenson, and Javante Davis. That's it. And those are possibles. The only person Durante could lose to is Shakur Stevenson, Devin Haney. Right. They're only going to. They're only going to lose to each other. Yeah. Everybody else, you guys are here as food. Yeah. And they will all lose to each other. Just like the four kings. Like, cool. Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, Duran. They had classics with each other. Sugar Ray Leonard was great. Lost to Duran. Wait till that motherfucker was undisciplined. Did cocaine and ate itself out of division. Ran it back and it was no moss. Duran won three titles after that. Yeah. At higher weight classes. Motherfuckers got him really messed up. Yeah. They thought shit was sweet. They thought shit was sweet. No, he is still that good. Yeah. Hagler, Hearns, they are still that good. Don't let Hagler, Hearns, great fight. You fight Tommy Hearns after that, he was putting the beats on people. No, you are not built that way. They are very good and they're fighting each other. So shit looks different. Yeah. And the same thing in MMA, like... The same thing with Volk, why he's a favorite. It's like, okay, yeah, no, he lost to Islam, and that was a very close fight. Don't think everybody is Islam. Like, he's not just going to lose to lose. Yeah. Like, this, no, he's special. And even even with 145, like, Max, the same thing. Like, don't let Max, 
Don't let Max get in absolutely murked three times. Well, I, I would, I would, I like two. to say. I thought he won the first. Yeah, I, I like to say that he got murked uh, two and a half times. Yeah, I thought he won the first fight. Yeah. Sure. So I actually thought he won the second fight more so than the first fight. Okay. You know, he he dropped Volk twice in that fight. Yeah. Maybe uh, I thought he won the second. Yeah, it was the, the second is the one that people yeah. were like, and then third know, he third gets, one was just yeah, like, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, five it was embarrassing. But then it's like you know you see this happen in MMA all the time, right? Where you have this iconic figure, maybe a former champion. He loses his belt, then he fights back. He he goes up against the champion again, then he loses again, and you're like, ah oh, man, is he old? Like Max is 31, bro. Yeah, we make it seem like he's 51, right? Yeah. Especially for a lot the smaller guys, but still a lot of miles, yeah, for sure. And and but the motherfucker know, ain't slipping. <laughs> and it's like, yo, I'm not going to be a gatekeeper, bro, just because I can't beat Volk, who his career is going to go down as maybe the best 145er. Yeah going to be a pound for he's the pound for pound guy it's like oh arnold allen oh yeah oh yeah i think shit is sweet right <laughs> yeah. i bet yep this and, no no there's levels was, to this shit. yeah and i was talking about that fight on vsin when i was over there i was talking that, about that on my show too it's like max is minus 160 that's he if the longer this fight goes he'll look minus 800 come round five kel round five starts they flash the screen minus 775 <laughs> i was like yeah because look what Dominant. he did to him bro Dominant. There's levels to it, and like, and it's okay. To, some people just have your number. Styles they just make have fights, your and, yeah, and that's that's okay. Whether it's team sports, MMA, boxing, whatever it might be, that's there's it. just some dudes they just got your number. That's like looking at the Bills or the Bengals and be like, "Yo, they're they're not a good team." Like, really? Because if you're not the Chiefs, yeah, you're in for it. Yeah. So you think what you want, like, because Mahomes might put up 45 on these motherfuckers. Yeah. But you're going to face them next week, and you're going to be staring at 31-3. Yeah. Because, no, every team isn't that. And that's what combat sports is. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, this next weekend, Sean Strickland versus Magomedov. Sean Strickland is the hardest person to root for in all of combat sport. I like this. And this is coming on the heels of Connor being a real asshole. Yeah. Past couple of weeks. Um, his life. <laughs> Let me just take his life. Uh, Floyd Mayweather has done some weird shit. Gervonta. John Jones, I'm not a big fan of John Jones. I am not a fan of Colby Covington. There's one thing about me in covering combat sports for a long time, sports in general. Some of the worst human beings 
are the best at what they do. So whether you're in sports, corporate America, whatever the fuck your job may be, you can work construction. You look up at your foreman, you look at the people on top of them. A lot of them are assholes. A lot of them are wild boys, wild women. I got a good story. They're for you. horrible fucking human beings. Yeah. A lot of the time. They may neglect their family, cheat on their wives habitually, put hands on people, women, spouses. They are horrible human beings. That characteristic and that selfishness also is what makes them incredibly skilled and focused on their goal. It goes one in the same. Michael Jordan's a horrible person. Met him twice. Shitty guy. <laughs> that obsessiveness and that selfishness is what, makes, what makes him great. great. Yeah. Sean Strickland is bad because it's a gimmick. To me, it's like Colby. When you are a horrible human being by nature, when you're selfish by nature, I'm selfish by nature. I am just very good to my family. Now, I've done some stupid shit in my life we all off have, of bro. being selfish. Yeah. And uh, I've been very unapologetic about it in most cases. Some cases I was apologetic and uh, fixed it. But other times I'm unapologetically myself. That's why I'm good at what I do. I'm selfish at my core and I have no qualms about that. I see this in other people. I also know when people fake it. And confidence is very easy to fake. It is a facade. You're playing a character. Like playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like the shit ain't real. And Kobe Covington, I, I hated the MAGA gimmick. Not because he was MAGA. Because you know what? If that is who you are, if that is where you grew up, if you were raised in Florida or Georgia or Alabama by a very fucking conservative family that for some reason got super into Trumpism, because I understand there's conservative Republicans. All that. Like, I don't give a fuck. That's politics. That's best interest. Um, being in like a cult type shit is very weird to me. And forgiving stupid shit is weird to me. So if that's like where Trumpism and MAGAism fell into. If for some reason, like that's where you fell, because that is who you are as a human being, who your family is. Then you're just fucking ignorant and, but it is genuine. That's who you are, yeah. Co-opting that for personal gain is shitty. Yeah. That's why I thought Kobe Covington was worse than worse. This guy is worse than that because he is co-opting the bro culture that the fucking idiot who's like arrested in, I don't know, Arabia, I don't know, Iran or some shit. What is the guy uh, that all the bros did? Top G. I, I, oh, uh, the fucking. The Tate brothers. Yeah. Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy. But that's what Sean Strickland is co opting. Right. Like he's co opting like super misogynist, like talking about women's titties in interviews and women ain't this. But like he just wants to be Andrew Tate in the UFC and he's adopted a gimmick. Yeah. Andrew Tate's being Andrew Tate. He's a horrible fucking human being, but he's being himself and a lot of people pay to watch him be himself. Right. Co opting that gimmick to make money and to make yourself left fucking boring as a character and to get main event slots like this because you're just cosplaying someone who's a horrible human being is actively worse because you're choosing. It's corny too because that's not really you. That's why when you hear, when you hear things like, <clears throat> you know, Colby. Dude, I met Colby Covington at the airport. Yo, he's not a horrible guy. Bro, I swear to God, if cool, you walk up to him cool and talk to him, he is not that person. At all. And that's what bothers me most. Yeah. Because I've interviewed him before this gimmick. Yeah. I've seen people, and I know people in the industry, who have gone and done exposés at the camp when 
you know, the Florida gyms were hot and all this right. shit and went down there. I know stories of him helping black fighters, Latino fighters, teammates who didn't have money, who didn't have places to stay, who couldn't pay gym fees, who did a lot of shit. He's done really good stuff in that gym to people he cares about that this fucking gimmick hurts, but the gimmick made him money and he sold out for the gimmick. Yeah. And it's not him. And that shit's lamer than it really being you. I'd rather you be in a dick and owning it than co-opting it for the money and lying. And then still being a nice guy on the back. This shit is CB4. This is MC Gusto. Like this, this ain't real. Like that's, it's the lowest of low you can get. And Sean Strickland is taking that to another level. I want to I wanna go back to what you were saying about even people in corporate positions or, you know, maybe your favorite teacher, whoever it might be. Because, yep. dude, so my background, my family has a coffee truck in New York City. And I was maybe, I was maybe 17, 18, the summers I would go and work there, right? So this one guy, we're just going to call him, we're just going to call him Jay for this story. But Jay used to show up every morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, would get his bacon, egg, and cheese, his large coffee. He'd be on his BlackBerry at the time. And dude, from here to like the camera in the middle, I'd be able to smell the alcohol. Yeah. Right? And wouldn't miss a day of work, always showing up on time, reeked of alcohol. His boss would would come like shortly after him. And one day they crossed paths. And, you know, I was 16, 17, very important for this story because I'm not a snitch. (laughs) But his boss comes up to me and, dude, this resonates with me to this day. And I always, I always remember this story. His boss comes up and I go, hey, Mr. Mr. Kell, how you doing? Good, good, man. I was like, yo, Jay's always hammered. Does that, does that affect his work? Like, do you like that he works? And he goes, dude, I can't fucking stand it. I hate it. But he's my top guy. He's he's my best worker. He he can close any deal with with Saudi billionaires. They were like a like an oil company kind of thing. And uh he's like he could close deal with Saudi guys, he could close deals with the frat bros, he could he could go into any party, any situation. He's my best guy, but he shows up hammered every time. He's he's like, yo, he's a shitty dude, but it's like, what do I do? He he makes me $150 million a year. <laughs> and that always resonated with me, bro, because I would say this about athletes and I would say this about anyone. People put up with your shit when you're good. That's right. All you, put the up, you put up your, sh- your shit with the significant other that you might feel like, man, maybe she's a little too out of my league, bro. And all your friends are like, damn, yo, how'd you get her? And she treats you like shit, but you're <laughs> like, yo, bro, you know, she is a 13 out of 10. Yep. Right. How many athletes continue to get second and third chances because they could put up 1,500 yards in the NFL. And John Morant's showing a fucking gun every other week. Bro, <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's like, that. that's a real thing, man. Plaxico Burris shot himself, came out yep. of jail, immediately got offers. Yep. Mike Vick did all that crazy shit to dogs. And I'm a dog lover. I'm a dog owner. Immediately, the moment he stepped out, got more chances. Why? Because they're ultra talented. And it's yep. unfortunate. And it sucks. And I'm not saying it's right, but it is the That reality. is the way of the world. That's like, the way of the world. The, the top people, and that's why I fucking laugh, and I went on the rant to open this show. People were like, yo, why, my whole comment section on Twitter is like, how is he at ESPN? Oh, he must know someone. He must be a legacy. 
I look like a legacy. Like I am the legacy. Really? Yeah, like yeah, I'm starting what? my legacy. Yeah, three kids by 21. I don't got my college degree. Think I'm a fucking legacy at ESPN? Um, no, like I worked to get here, but I also know I can say whatever the fuck I want within reason. Like I'll say anything, like you know, obscene. But but that's also like bro, I can to, say to pull any the, opinion. Yeah, but to pull the curtain back, like you're also not that guy too. You know no, what I mean? Like, like so so it's not really you're not really hiding anything that you wouldn't. No, like say or do. But I people say I say things that aren't. They're not genuinely taken well. Like they're not the public consensus. Right. People don't like it. My my takes, my hot take. Shout out to hot take. Hot, the, the hot take king. Yeah, like HTK you know, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's just it's one of those things where the human hot take machine. Hey. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it's like one of those things where like, yeah, like if I feel it, I can say it and we can talk about it and I don't have to change my opinion because I'm really fucking good at what I do. Yeah. So like if I work hard every day, people are like, and I don't got to say who, but like, um, and people I value like their opinion when it was just like, they're like, yo, you know what you said? It was like, you represent ESPN because you mentioned ESPN voting on ESPN pound for pound rankings and people are going to attack you with your job because when you say these things, you represent ESPN. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, but ESPN knows who I am. Everyone there knows who I am. They, they know me. They hired me. There's stuff in my contract where I will get fired if I say some wild shit. But that's, it's very specific. And I'll lift the current all the way, but it's very specific for me to be able to do this podcast while at ESPN. I am the first at ESPN, in my position or around it, that can keep a podcast. There's very specific reasons and languages in my contract on what I can and cannot say. If not, I get fired from ESPN. So I could lose a lot of money Mm -hmm. by just wanting to be behind this mic. I know what I'm saying and what I'm not. But having hot takes, it's like, yo, they're not going to fire me because they know who I am. And it's like the guy who showed up drunk every day. Yeah. It's like, yo, if Kel says some shit that the boxers don't like, and he runs our boxing account. So his, like, if they, the boxer stops fucking with our boxing account because Kel said this on the podcast, and I'm like, Kel, whatever. Because this guy is so fucking good at his job. We are not finding another Kel. And that's, that's the real deal of it. Yeah. I say whatever the fuck I want behind this mic. Because everyone who's critical about me, the 99% of people who don't agree with me, none of them can do my job. And ESPN knows it. And they know I can. And they've got my back all the way because of it. I am the best in my space. And I put that in social media. And I learned this shit a long time. And bringing my journalistic like chops to it and everything. I am the best at what I do. And I know it. And I walk every fucking day like that. You should. And with that confidence, it allows me to do things no one else dares to do because everybody wants this job or they're thinking this person's watching or what would ESPN think or what would my job think or what might come. You guys don't have the security as me because you're not as good as me because you don't work as hard as me. Have the people, 90% of the people at that guy's fucking job couldn't show up hammered because they don't close those things. This motherfucker drank every day, came in and did whatever fuck he wanted because they can't find another him. Yeah. And that confidence gives you a lot of confidence elsewhere. You ain't so, kidding, bro. Yeah. So as I'm on the fucking beach in Jamaica, taking work calls and <laughs> fucking meetings and still posting and doing my job, 
Not everyone can fucking do it. Like the next guy who gets hired at ESPN where I started be like, hey, how come Kel can be on the beach and work? Because you're not fucking Kel. Yeah, you got to earn that. Yeah, you're, you got to earn that. Yeah, people that takes can't time, do what I takes, do. Yeah. So it's one of those things. To that point, Sean Strickland is not that guy. Sean Strickland, though, as, I, a, as a fighter, as a fighter, and I know it's, it's so difficult to separate, separate the two. Man, he's someone that, like, in my mind, when I envision Sean Strickland, I, I think of forever number four. <laughs> like, forever just, like, Paul Felder. I love Paul Felder. I've had a chance to meet him. Yeah. I always, I always think of him as, like, forever number six. Like, number six in the rankings. Sean Strickland, number four in the rankings. For you to be a serious contender, you need to go through a Sean Strickland. I, I guess gate, Gatekeeper is another good kind one for of, But he's still so young that you're kind of like, if he just... One, two of these. Yeah. If, but if the thing is, is, is put it together against number two, he's getting a title shot. Like it upsets me when fighters, when fighters don't stick to a game plan that they know is their only path to victory. Like wrestling? Like wrestling. <laughs> if you're fighting a guy like Pereira, dude, try not to kickbox and stand with him. Right? In the worst dance ever. Yeah. Well, you're, you're trying to fight a guy like Izzy. Try not to try to strike with him. She tries, Jerry Cannon here tried to strike with him. It's just not like you're you're this guy on the ground that we've heard, but we've never seen. So it's always it's always weird when I when I see that. And you know, I think I think this guy that he's fighting like had a flash knockout in like 30 seconds, yeah. I believe, in his debut. And you know, I don't know. I also don't know what to make of him, also, dude, because I rather I'm in the camp, Kel, of if I was a fighter, bro. I was talking about this over the weekend. I had some of the guys from my gym come over here, over from Syndicate, and we were watching Taporia fight. And I was like, yo, you know what? I would much rather have a, a no question, no debate statement win like that than me just like swing crazy, catch you, clip you, put you out in the first round. Like, yeah, yeah I might get a bonus, sure. But then there could be the discussion of, well, you know, Nick was behind Kel in that first round and he just see you a know, flash knockout and yeah. Kel would have beat him. But when I 50 45 you. Like Connor Aldo. Yeah. Everyone doesn't give Connor like. That. No one gives him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, he knocked him out in 30 right? seconds. If this, if you didn't get the knockout, Aldo wouldn't like kicked you. It would have been a different. But when, when Taporia goes out there and smashes Emmett, it's like, all right, there's no discussion there. When Emmett's Volk, face was. Yeah. When Volk does that yes. to Max multiple times, you're like, Man, he's so much better than you. Usman and Covington. It's like, what'd you get? I I gave Covington maybe two rounds of the 10 that they fought. And he got stopped in one of them. So he lost the fight. So it's like, dude, what what do I got to see? That being said, Covington could beat Edwards. What's crazy is Covington probably beats Usman now. No, I don't think so. I think so because styles make fights. I think, yes. Also, we got to remember, this is like four years after that first one. Yeah, but and then he dominated Edwards the first fight, got caught. And then the, the second fight was just a weird fucking game. Yeah. And that was still close. Yeah. It so, was, man. It was. But just, Strick- Sean Strickland should be Colby Covington, but he just can't put it together. Like, Colby Covington is in that same place where he's like forever number two. Yeah. But I always believe that he still remembers to wrestle enough where it's like, yo, if he just cardio machines you to death and wrestles you, he can yeah. really fucking beat you. You look up and you're just down on cards and you're in a world of hurt because the guy is very durable. And Sean Strickland the same way. It's like, the guy is pretty durable. 
If he just fucking wrestled you for the first three rounds and put you in a pickle, now you're you're doing some shit you probably shouldn't. Or just make you think about potentially wrestling. That's it. Kobe does that. Like yeah. Kobe, Kobe, for what it's worth, never forgets what got him to the dance. Either it's good enough or it's not. But I think it goes back to what you were talking about before, too, dude, about how you're talking about Allen and you made the comparison to Oliveira. And I love that take. I think that's a really good take. I see it sometimes in the gym because I, I, I don't train MMA. I train just jiu-jitsu. Yeah. But, like, I see some of the pro practices going on over there or I see some of, like, the MMA fighters where, you know, they come in as, like, all-American wrestlers and then they fall in love with the striking. Yeah. Because they know that they could fall back to the wrestling. And then sometimes what they happens. They never fall back, though. They never fall back, <laughs> they never, right? They never fall back. And to me, like, I remember when Izzy got so much shit from Jared Cannonier's fight. Where it's like, why don't you put on exciting fights? Why don't you go out there and get the finish? It's like, yo, bro, I'm making millions of dollars. I'm the highest paid active fighter right now. I get a win bonus. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm not spinning heel kicking everyone and, and doing capoeira kicks. And By the way, this. he knocked the shit out of Whitaker, though. Like, and, and now with... Right, but he hit, he hit a couple of those stretches where it was like decision and yeah. decision and decision and Vittori decision yeah, and all that. And like, out of, yeah, but it's like, again, dominating you, getting ahead, but I'm going to get my win bonus. Right? Yep. Getting 1.8 million or whatever it is. It's like in the millions. And... Stick to your game plan. And I just think with Strickland, it's, we just haven't seen it because he likes to brawl. He likes to talk his shit, right? Like it became, he became that guy that like talks shit. Like, come on, man. Come on, we, we got to slug it out. Oh, you're yeah. tough. I know that one hurt. I know that one hurt when they were at the apex. But I don't know. He's just a guy that I think he wants to be more of an entertainer than be a, a like a dominant fighter. He's, he's gotten lost in the sauce. He's worked himself into a shoot in a pro oh, wrestling it. term. Yeah. It's he found the gimmick. I was like, yo, he co-opted the gimmick to be more entertaining. Then the gimmick bled into his in-ring in real life. In octagon. And then now it's blurred into his real life personality in every interview. And then now he's lost sight that it's just a gimmick. Yeah. And now it's just a shoot. It's real. The the gimmick is real. And that's when shit gets scary because not everyone can handle it. Not everyone's Ric Flair, right? Like not everyone's equipped to drink every day of their life and not die. <laughs> like Seriously. The, 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 when you work yourself to a shoe, you better be about yeah. that life. And I'm not sure he is. Well, I think Ric Flair also feels invincible after a plane crash and he survived. No, I mean, yeah, the motherfuckers had like two heart attacks. He's still drinking yeah, every day. Yeah. Like he, he's the nature boy. Yeah, so, one of but, a kind, man. But not, not everyone is that. Yeah. So like you, when you co-opt these gimmicks and you think like you better be ready for it. And I'm not sure he's ready for it. Um, before we let you out of here, a couple of things. We talked, I just want to get your opinion on a couple of fights. So going to 290, Bo Nickel, what is his ceiling? I mean, is it is it fair to give you this answer and say, I need to see more? No. At four, no. Yeah. Cause like, Everyone needs to see more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the fair assessment. Uh, at what you've seen of other fighters when Sean O'Malley had two fights in the UFC. I said, this guy's going to challenge for a title. Now, was it his fighting or his aura? No, that the made style. You, the style. Okay. I was like, he has a style similar to Conor McGregor where they can fast track him. He can go from Dennis Seaver 
to Aldo. Aldo. Yeah. And I'll have no fucking problem. Yeah. But again, I saw I that think in O'Malley. But I think that's the aura. No, of, but the, the like, stylistic of fights, like where no one can figure out this style. Oh, okay. 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 Like, yes, yes, yes. I hear um, what you're saying. Islam. Yeah. He got wrapped up in the triangle, like his first UFC fighters. Yeah, yeah. That was fucking weird. But everything out there is like, you know what? This style, his skills look a lot like Habib. Yeah. He's going Smash. to be champion. Yep. He, he's going. Like, I, I look at Kamayev and I was like, well, you know what? If this guy take a punch, he's going to be champion. I'm now seeing him take a punch. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I kind of like his shot. He's at least going to contend for a title. Bo Nickel contending for a title, champion. And from what you've seen, I think we've seen two fights now. Connor, I saw two fights. I was like, this guy's going to be the next big fucking thing. Man, I, I feel like we got we to gotta see or him in there. stage Northcutt. Yeah, we got to. No, no, I wouldn't go that far. I think we got to see him with a striker, man. I think we got to see if he could take a punch, maybe if he drops around. Like, he's just going in there. And I, I think if I remember correctly, he doesn't even have one round worth no, of it's, it's very UFC quick. time. It's very quick. So let's see, man. There was some controversy when he fought Jamie Pickett on like a little bit of a, I think it was a fence grab. Yeah. Or, or something along the lines where like it, he tried to to appeal it, Jamie Pickett, and it, you know, it didn't get overturned. But I want to see him, I want to see him in a, in a big spot. I want to see him like, you know, he's, he's calling out Izzy and Shamayev. Like, nah, let's, let's not get too crazy, bro. Like take, do the boxing approach, right? Where you're, you're now fighting a guy in Treshawn Gore who he's a popular name because of like the ultimate fighter and he has, he has some finishes in the UFC. So yeah. he's like a credible opponent. Like let's see you against him and then let's see you work your way up. I don't want to get too crazy. I just, I just, I'm giving you a shitty answer. I'm well aware of that, <laughs> but I just, I want to see him. It's like, a tough spot to be in. Yeah. I want to see him take a couple, take a couple shots. Like Taporia when he fought Herbert, in in London, he fought him at 155. Yeah. Man, Herbert caught him a couple times. Yeah. But he ate those. But he ate those. And you're like, all right, man, like that's a that's a bigger guy, that's a longer guy. And then he has, you talk about a highlight knockout that completely flatlines Herbert with the overhand, right? But you need to have some adversity and to see how they're gonna combat that. And I I just don't think with Bo Nickel, dude, we might not see that for like another four fights. I think they're gonna you know, he's slow a, play him. Slow play him. He's a bigger guy. He could maybe compete in two divisions later down the road. And he's an American, which like you look at the landscape of the UFC. I don't really got that many American nah, champions. Nah. Kobe, once Kobe loses again, like it's like who else is competing? Like yeah. you got John Jones, but how much longer do you have him going? Right? You got a Mexican champion, uh one thirty five is is Aljo, but all signs point to him Leaving. dropping it after, and then who knows what happens there and then you got New Zealand, you got the Russian, you got the, the, the British guy, you got the guy from New Zealand and Nigeria, like uh, Jamal Hill too. Let's not discredit him. Mm. But, mm. you know. You're, 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 just, you're, he's coming back. He's coming back, right? So, yeah. He, I th- I think, Jamal Hill, we've had him on the party. Cool guy. But, like, you got in when you could get in. Which, you know what, dude? Can't fault you for that. No, fuck it. You got a belt. You got your belt. You'll forever be a champion. By don't matter by how. crook. I don't, it doesn't matter. Let's get it, yeah. Um. Moreno Pantoya. Yeah, this is, um, it's fun to see Moreno fight someone else. Yeah. Uh, someone who beat him, right? Yeah. So it's going to be a revenge. I feel like everyone beat him prior to this run. He's a different fighter. But also like the last three and a half years, all we've seen him do is fight um, Davison. Yeah. So it's nice to see some fresh blood in there. 
It's going to be a close fight, dude. It's going to be a close fight. I think Pantoja is probably the most complete fighter at 125, I would say. We beat the shit out of Kai Kara friends, too. Yeah. Well, Kai, Kai had gotten hurt in that one. Oh, he did. But, but still, yeah, it wasn't really, it wasn't looking. It wasn't looking know, great. It wasn't looking that great. But Moreno, I think, is, he's in a good spot, man. Like, I, I think he'll forever be the co-main for, for uh, yeah, big events. Yeah, he don't got a headline. He don't got a headline. Uh, he's fun. He's entertaining. Um, maybe you get him in, like, Mexico. You could do something crazy with him. But I think this is going to be a fun fight. Very entertaining. I would say it's my early pick for fight of the night. Because I think it's a five-round decision, and I think you're going to see fun scrambles. I think you're going to see crazy exchanges. I think you're going to see guys, both of these guys, put themselves in trouble. Like, even even Davison jumped into that guillotine, and like yeah. I was like, oh, my God, Marino, what are you doing? But then right before that, they had that sick exchange that's, like, all over my TikTok now because <laughs> Moreno's fight is coming up. But I think it's going to be a fun fight, man, and definitely fight of the night, in my opinion. Um, Volk, yeah, I feel like Volk is always going to be the— until proven yeah, otherwise. Until proven otherwise, I think he's earned that right. But I will say, man, Yair is Yair is very exotic with his striking. Yeah, he's like he's he, who he was supposed to be. Yeah, when he showed up, he will do some flippy shit. He'll do some like, <laughs> like so we saw a back kicks. elbow knockout. Yeah, oh my god, the fucking final second, knockout. which is arguably the best knockout in. UFC is talk about at the buzzer, just Yo. flatlining Korean zombie. Right. But it's gonna be it's gonna be the leg kicks for both of these guys because the leg kicks that Yair was so and Emmett really just like he put a pace on them. I think the altitude is really interesting, like in Mexico City. It is. That's always you know like sea level came. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that definitely comes into play. So I think though it's Volk. And rightfully so. I think Volk has earned that right until proven otherwise. Hopefully time doesn't catch him. You know, like I never want to, I, I hate when that happens, dude, where it's yeah. like. He don't got a lot of miles. Nah, he don't. He don't. And he fights very clever and very smart. Yeah. So I like, I like Volk in that fight right, rather comfortably. Duplicis has to win, right? He has to win to make 185. For Bobby Knuckles. But yeah, he yeah. has to win. I love Bob, Bobby Knuckles, man. Robert Whitaker, I think. I, I really think, and this is a good question for you too. Do you think someone could be the best fighter in their division and not be the champion? Because I think Robert Whitaker is the best 185er in the world, but he's not the champion. First of all, does that make sense? And second it, of all, do you think that's a fair take? It does make sense. Because like complete, but, complete game, I think Whitaker is the best fighter at 185. No, I mean... Usually, it comes with the caveat of they got caught. So, you look at Amanda Nunez was always the best fighter at 135. She got caught. She was not the champion. Yeah. She ran it back. She's the best fighter in that division. We're about to see that at 125. Yeah. Um, it's hard for you to tell me Kamaru Usman is not the best at 170. Because if you put 10 rounds together against Leon Edwards, Kamaru probably has six of them. I think that's fair, yeah. Four gets knocked out on a Hail Mary. And she then was also three, two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He has six of 10 against the champion. And I don't think anyone else beats him. So 
I think he's the best fighter in that division. And he's not going to be in title contention. So that's where Whitaker is. Yeah. But I don't think he's better than Izzy. I think Izzy's the best at that weight in the world. I think they brought in a very specific guy to beat Israel Adesanya. Literally, his kryptonite. And he overcame it. He's very real when he said this shit's an anime. Because, like, I watched, like, My Hero Academia. And, like, all this shit. Like, Deku's been going through, like, wild shit the whole time. <laughs> like, he's just, he, he could never, like, his journey to becoming, like, the number one is, like, so fucking crazy. Because everyone knows he has the power of All Might. All Might's, like, number one. But everyone else is supposed to be better. And, like, to the point where, like, they bring his, his rival, Baku, going shit. And then, like, Bakugo's more talented in every way. And if you need to whip Deku's ass, like, Bakugo always does it in every challenge. But you know, fucking Bakugo's going to be number one at the end. He has the talent to be number one. Just got to figure this one guy out. That's where Izzy was. Yeah. He overcame that guy. And it's just like, Robert Whitaker's good, and he's getting closer. And the more you fight someone, the more adapt you become. Whitaker's making less and less mistakes every time he fights Izzy. Problem is, he's not making Izzy make more and more mistakes. He's just making more and more, more, less and less mistakes to survive. Right, right, right. First time he didn't survive. Second time he was like, no, I know not what the, not to yeah, do. Get not getting into those out, wild extremes. But I'm not going to win. Yeah. So like the next time he'd be like, well, maybe he can like steal. No, like it's just not, it's very reminiscent of like Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's great. The third fight was very back and forth. Wilder figured a lot of shit out. He hit Fury to body. He dropped him twice again. It was way different than the second fight, but still, Tyson Fury is Tyson Fury. So Deontay Wilder is the second best heavyweight in the world. Can't fucking beat Tyson Fury. Right? So it's like, I don't think anyone else beats Deontay Wilder. Though. Yeah. Nobody else on this planet survives that right hand. Just the fucking 6'9 gypsy. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Like, I'm not sure anyone else beats Robert Whitaker. But Izzy's just Izzy. I know. It's such so a- what do you what do you do? Like, I've seen Robert Whitaker at 170 before. And he wasn't who he ended up being at 185. You get older. Yeah. But damn would I love him to just be like, fuck it, I got one cut in me. Yeah. And just, like, if if he wins this fight, fuck it. Give me one cut and let me go after Leon. Just to see. Because I think I can make it. But then, and right. Leon's in a world of hurt. So so he does that. He, he cuts 170. He wins the title. And then, <laughs> what? You're, You're not cutting vacate? twice. You're not cutting But twice. just to show. Right. I'm a fucking champion. But he's been a champion and he's defended. Yeah. So but it's, it's just this one guy keep me for being a champion for eight years. One guy. Yeah. I would have been champion for eight years. Nah, that's 100% accurate, bro. And it happens all the time. There's just, like you said, there's some dudes that just have your number and you just can't get over it. Whether it's combat sports, whether it's team sports, it's that one team that you just can't get over the hump. And you just see that time and time again. Like for every team in the AFC, it's probably going to be Mahomes at some point. Yeah. Yeah. You're going like, to, for you to Jordan get. Jordan stopped a lot of people from getting ranks. For you to get to a Super Bowl, you got to go through KC. At some point, you're going to play him. And then look, when you do beat him, you end up going to the Super Bowl like That's the it. Bengals did and yeah. the Patriots did. Besides that, man, you got it. This guy is going to be in your way at some point. At some point, you got to face him. For years. And with Whitaker, again, he's just, he's, he's Max Holloway of 185. He yeah. could beat everyone but the champion. Last and I want I want I want the Plessis to win 
only for a fresh opponent for <laughs> Izzy, the back and forth between the two of them. But I also don't think that's going to happen. Duplessis got to get him out in, in, one, in one round because he has terrible cardio and gas tank issues. It's only a three-round fight, though. So it like, is only three rounds. But we've seen him look like he needed a defibrillator after round one that sometimes. That is very true. And um, Whitaker is is known for having yeah. a, a Oh, Whitaker can go forever. Yeah. And it's one of those where, like, yeah, you better get him early. Yeah. Then pray you get the second round because you're going to gas on the third and you're going to beat your ass. And you just got to survive. But it only being a three-rounder gives me more confidence yep. in him than it being a five. Last one before we get you out of here. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, BMF title. Violence, violence, and more violence. That is. Who do you got? That is that one. Man, it's going to be fun because I think I think Poirier. Poirier has, has shown to be more durable despite being in wars. Yeah. Right? But I think Gaethje, Gaethje made it clear after his last fight with Fazeev that he don't got many more of these in the tank, bro. Like, all, we as fans, we love the knockouts, we love the the bar fights, we love those brawls. We love them. But it takes from the fighter. Damn, it takes years off the career. It takes years off. And Gaethje said it after Fazeev. He was like, hey, man, I don't know how many more, more of these I got in me. I got one more run to the title. I think the winner of this gets the next title shot against Islam. Because uh, they, well, not Islam. It's, it's Islam and Charles. I think it's it's right. Look, Charles ends up losing the title. Comes back, he beats uh, Dariush yep. the way he did. It's it's Islam versus Charles, and the winner of that. So it's basically like a mini tournament, right? Yeah, now. think about it, right? You got Charles versus Islam for the title, and then you got Gaethje Poirier, Justin versus Dustin. The winner of that gets the title, title shot, and I I think it's going to be Poirier. I think Poirier has. When you have two brawlers, Kel, in my opinion, I look for a guy that could win the fight in different ways. And Poirier does. Yeah. He has more slick, like, not be hit tendencies. Yeah. And also, we saw he he took Chandler to the ground, and then he submitted him. Yeah. Right? Like, dude, I lost so much money on that fight because the only outcome I needed not to happen was the fight to end by submission. <laughs> I had a couple decision props because the decision props were super wacky. And then I had both of them to win by knockout. And then, of course, the fight ends up winning <laughs> by, submission. by submission. But if you had to bet on this fight, what are you betting? Um... I think I think this one would be a championship stoppage. Round four, round five for whatever guy I'm leaning towards. So I'm looking at like a Dustin Poirier round four. That's when he stopped them the first time that they yeah. fought in Arizona. Yeah, because he got dropped, got up. Yeah, but that's but that's what you down. see with Poirier. Like Poirier's been in, in these five rounders. And not that Gaethje hasn't, but man, Poirier's only been fighting five rounders until I think like Chandler, until his last fight. It's always yeah. been main events for a long time now. And I just think that he'll be able to put a pace on him. And Poirier just wears the damage better. Like, he, he even that brawl with, with Dan Hooker, bro. Like, it, it's not a lot of guys would be able to withstand some of those shots. Yeah. So I, I think Poirier is, is my pick for that one. Man, I love it. Love talking MMA. Thank you. Again, let everyone know where they can find you, of course. At Veterans Minimum. On all social media, that's the sports betting show that I do, sports talk show. I've had Kel on in the past, too. We've talked about uh, a lot of shit MMA, but but mostly how wonderful judges are. 
to the fighters. <laughs> I hope you can sense my sarcasm. And then uh, as far as I go, it's at Nick Deus 10 on all social media. Yes. And make sure you guys follow us at Corner Podcast everywhere. Uh, check out our YouTube. Shout out to everyone here. Blue Wire Studios, Wind Resort in Las Vegas. The old man will be back next week. Producer Cole Bebe is going to try to stop by in the house to recap pro wrestling. We appreciate you all for sitting through this boxing and MMA. One big ass show today. We appreciate you to the haters. Again, I love you all. It's going to get plenty more of me. Check me out on Sean Porter's podcast as well this week. Until next time, we're out. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.